Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, a disappointing Rugby World Cup for Pacific Island nations has revived calls for a revamp of international eligibility rules. And Solomon Islands have asked China for help with hosting the 2023 Pacific Games. But first, a founding member of the Mate Ma'atonga rugby league team says community support for the side has dwindled following a dispute between the local board and rugby league's world governing body. The Kingdom will play under the banner of an Invitational 13 against Great Britain and Australia after a Supreme Court ruling declared the Tonga National Rugby League was the only authority able to operate and control the official national representative side, Mate Ma'atonga. The ruling came after the sport's global governing body, International Rugby League, suspended the TNRL following threats of a player boycott in support of coach Christian Wolfe, who had been sacked over disagreements around control and finances. A co-founding member of the Mate Ma'atonga team, Will Ilulahia, told Tele Anderson the vibe and support of this weekend's clash in Hamilton is no longer there. There's a lot of fake news going around and that kind of stuff. I mean, basically, and I think the indicative when uh, the airport welcome, which was probably, you know, probably a quarter or third of the size of what we normally had back in 2017, 18 and 19, early 19. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely affected our people because um, the main concern that we have in the Tongan community is this... um, these outsiders questioning our sovereignty. The bigger issue also is that uh, if these things are allowed to go ahead, then basically uh, Tonga is not going to be a democracy, but uh, anarchy. That's what I don't think the young team members realise, that um, what they've done is actually it's, it's affected our, our sovereignty. And you know we pride ourselves in, in, in Tonga for not being administered or ruled by somebody outside, but other than God and our own uh, country. You know, you just said there was a lack of um, attendance, I guess, from the community when they were welcomed at the airport. Do you think that will show as well at this weekend's game? According from what we're hearing on the streets and the Coconut Wireless and, uh, you know, the updated Facebook pages and that kind of number, uh, we've noticed that those people that are actually um, anti the messages that we're putting out are are actually members of the previous um, government that's actually, you know, has lost their uh, status now. A lot of their, uh, the basis of their facts is actually untrue. Um, I know in the past the Tongan community have really come to t- together, I guess, to put on huge events afterwards and celebrating at the af- after the games. Have you heard of any events like that happening in Hamilton this weekend or at all? They've got a, a carver ceremony they're having. But you, you can just see, uh, you know, you can feel it anyway. The vibe is no longer there. There's not a, as many red flags and red cars flying around the place and tooting their horns and all that. It's not it's not there like it was in previous years. And, our, our, you know, our community is divided because we're loyal to the players. You know, the players have actually extended extended our, uh, our status more so on the global scene and our fans have, have earned the um, best fans in the world uh, number. But at the same time, our people, w- w- when they know the truth, then they start to question it and I think that's what's happening. The vibe is not out there as it used to be. 
throughout the, throughout the country. I know the the windy um, windy uh, areas of Wellington. There's no uh, red flags fluttering around. What does the future of Tongan Rugby League look like for you? That hurts me, you know, my, uh, being the co-founder with with uh, our godfather George Mann. Um, but you know, all his family and everybody um, that's related to George, and that they're all on the on on the side that we're we're trying to represent, and that's that's the Maki Matonga brand of Tonga. It's, it's saddening, actually. I mean, and ironically, a lot of the community, you know, I got so used to having corrupt boards. But ironically, this board is probably the most honest out of all of them because they're just doing what the judge had set down to, you know, in regards to the ruling to, to get the uh, the books straight. And it's really concerning that, uh, and that's why I say that this team is actually administered by Australians. I mean, the fact that the International Rugby League Federation overturned the, the present board, they broke their own rules, clause 22, 23 of their own constitution. They've got to give the committee uh, reasons for dismissal. And they haven't. We'll be uh, watching the game this weekend, despite the drama that's going on at the moment. This is the first time that I've never attended a national Tongan team because it's not a national Tongan team. That's Will Alula here speaking with Talay Anderson. The Pacific Rugby Players Association says the performances of Fiji, Samoa and Tonga at the World Cup shows change is needed in the international game. All three Pacific nations were eliminated in the group stage, combining for just three wins from 12 matches. Pacific Rugby Players Chief Executive Officer Aidan Clark says the growing gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations is a major concern. This tournament has um, shown again uh, if we want the, the growth of the game across the world, if we want the Pacific Islands to continue to feature, um, we need to make some changes um, what's positive at the moment is it, it feels like the ears are open uh, and people are starting to appreciate what some of the solutions that have been put forward. But we really do need North and South, everybody for the good of the game, to put the collective power together to try and make some big changes, we, we feel. The, the gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2s cannot continue to grow and we need to try and bring things back together and make sure that everybody has an equal opportunity. One of the areas where there is potential for change that could be significant, could be game-changing, is, of course, eligibility. Players that have previously represented, say, a Tier 1 country like the All Blacks or the Wallabies with Pacific Heritage, you know, being able to, you know, go back and, and play for a Fiji Tonga Samoa, potentially. Uh, we've seen a few individual cases, like a Tim Nanai Williams with the Manu Samoa squad, used to play sevens for New Zealand. Um, Cooper Verna played a couple of tests for the Wallabies and is a part of the Tongan squad. Um, Tonga's coach Toto Kefu has indicated that some other players like Charles Pieto and Lopete Tamani and George Moala um, want to play for the kingdom in sevens next month at the Oceania sevens which would then make them eligible for the Ikaretahi. Um Is that an avenue that's working or do you think it's still a little bit ad hoc because I guess it's almost an accidental loophole that hasn't really been exploited to its full extent by, by the Pacific Nations and I suppose it still relies on uh, clubs releasing their players to take part in these tournaments to be able to um, make the switch, if you will. We believe that uh, Regulation 8 around eligibility needs a really good review, and our suggestion is that um, there should be a bespoke regulation put in place that allows players to go in one-way traffic down from Tier 1 down to Tier 2 nations uh, if they have dual eligibility, and obviously if they meet um, other certain criteria as well. Um, for the good of the game, we want um, tournaments like here in Japan and in France in 2023 um, to have the very best players uh, in the world um, competing in a tournament. 
and a lot of that comes down to Tier 2 in the Pacific Islands. Some of those names uh, that you've mentioned, and, and there's plenty more, um, have, have a, a huge contribution to be able to offer to the unions, and it's not just on the field. Commercially, um, around building the brand of the island teams, um, selling more jerseys, filling more stadiums. We want the Charles Piotos, we want the Stephen Tours and so forth to be able to pull on those jerseys so they can have a big, wider community impact for the game, which needs it in the islands. And it's something that we're pushing. Um, now is the time. Um, we've got some papers prepared uh, to submit, and 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 it's all being done um, with the support of the three unions uh, and us as the players association uh, uh, being a key part of it. For for a change to happen, it needs what? It needs effectively a majority vote, or how how, how what percentage of a vote does it need at the World Rugby Council to be passed into action effectively? It does. It needs a majority vote. Um, this is not something uh, new. The homecoming amendment has been um, submitted to World Rugby Exco and, 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 the, and the council um, before. And like we said in the past, uh, it seems that some of the northern unions weren't such huge fans of it. Um, but there's a few tweaks that we're trying to make to it currently that by the time it comes back uh, to those levels, we're hoping that it might be seen in a different light. And I guess we've just got to keep encouraging and keep educating people about the need um, to ensure that the game is strong globally, um, just not in your own backyard. When you see a um, Bundyaki playing for Ireland or somebody who clearly had no Irish connection before he moved there to play for an Irish club, is it a bit rich for some unions maybe to be weary of um, players who have clear Pacific heritage wanting to play for a Pacific nation when they're happy to exploit it the other way as well? Yeah, exactly. Look, those players take those opportunities because they can um, the discussions around the framework and the regulations that are in place, um, great opportunities for the, the, the players that take those opportunities to, to build their careers, uh, to provide for their families. Uh, and, and I'm sure the Tier 1 nations are obviously um, more than willing to welcome them in. So what we're asking is, and it's not just a Pacific Island perspective, it's, it's Tier 2 in general, and trying to broaden the base of uh, competition across the world, which we need if we want to compete with other sports and if we want to continue to um, nurture the game in, in the pockets of the globe that um, have contributed to the, the great thing that rugby is, is that we need to probably take our own agendas to the side a little bit uh, um, and hopefully have the emotional maturity and the people who are in these key positions of decision-making to see what's best for the game. And obviously we sound like every time we do have the discussion from a Pacific Island Players Association point of view, um, we're terribly biased, but genuinely feel that the shoe was on the other foot that we'd be able to see it from a perspective of rugby and what's good for rugby. Well, one other thing we get at this World Cup, Aiden, is opportunity for these Pacific players. Uh, some of them would love to be at the World Cup but aren't because of club commitments and putting their families first. Um, but there are also players that excel at this World Cup um, who, who may be given, you know, noticed by clubs and, and get opportunities, uh, be they young players who have come from the Pacific uh, more recently or be they players that are already playing for clubs overseas that have just played their way into maybe a new, more lucrative contract. Um, how how do you guys help those players? Because I guess, you know, you get dollar signs put in front of you. It can be pretty tempting. Uh, some players have to weigh up club versus country. They've got to weigh up their families and they've got to weigh up maybe, if they have been based in the Pacific, the prospect of 
moving to a foreign country and, and, and adapting to that lifestyle? Yeah, we constantly are involved with uh, situations around Regulation 9 and club release, and especially leading into the World Cup, and there were many. Players are no different to anybody else, and they have to make career and employment decisions uh, based on opportunities that get put in front of them. If the firm down the road offers you a deal that's uh, on certain conditions, then obviously you and your family are going to consider it. Um, the key here for the good for international rugby to allow it to have its place is to be important, and for also for the for the, the teams like BG Thomas Samoa to have the best players playing in the jersey. Um, we believe that the sticking point with Regulation 9 is around the players being able to be remunerated well enough um, to play international rugby which try, and then take leave without pay um, from their club situations. Uh, at the moment, we think that this is a possibly a, a big pressure release valve for the clubs. Um, as you can expect from their employer's perspective, we understand um, sending someone away for... I don't know, 120 days of camp, which have been going into a rugby World Cup, um, but still paying them, um, not getting a return on investment, which shapes uh, their recruitment decisions, which shapes uh, their re-employment decisions, um, is not ideal. Um, so our suggestion at the moment is that we need to look at mechanisms about how we can ensure that the players are remunerated well enough for playing international rugby. Um, so then we can then kick in and make changes to Regulation 9 and allow clubs to release players on leave without pay. That's Pacific Rugby Players CEO Aidan Clark. The Solomon Islands has submitted a detailed proposal to China for support in hosting the 2023 Pacific Games. A senior advisor to the Solomon Islands National Hosting Authority, Clint Flood, says since the diplomatic switch, they have met twice with teams from China about support for the Games. He told Karoi Hawkins Beijing is now considering a Solomon Islands proposal which involves China taking over Taiwan's previous commitments, including the construction of the main stadium and several other key venues. You know, it's always as one door closed, another one open. So the big thing is that, that China uh, has committed to undertaking some of these projects, and particularly the main stadium. Um, so what we've done is, over the last couple of weeks, we've sort of retooled our, our project plan. So before where we had Taiwan doing the main stadium, and then some other products beside it, we've now sort of consolidated and said we believe that China would be interested and possibly would support uh, a revised complex, which would have uh, um, you know, the main stadium and next to it some other required facilities for the games. So the opportunity I think it's opened up is that we believe that China might have a, a more opportunity, more capacity to fund more than, than, um, than Taiwan was going to do. Right, and um, you you mentioned uh, in the in the email um, that a detailed proposal has been. You've met with Chinese officials, and a, a proposal has been submitted. Yeah, so there, there's been two groups that have come uh, from China uh, since the switch has been made. Uh, they're the Beijing Institute of Architect and Design, I think, and they're sort of a government arm, and they've met with us twice just to sort of understand our requirements. And then what was required of us was to submit uh, by last week, which we did, a kind of a revised proposal, which has given them in writing what is our requirements for a stadium, what are our requirements for pool, what are our requirements for these other things, including some other facilities that we didn't originally have on the list uh, for, let's say, Taiwan. And so that's a detailed package that's now gone 
for consideration by China. Our understanding is that you know they'll go through a, a conceptual um, review of that. They'll look at possible implications, obviously for 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 um, funding, and then uh, based on that, I'm assuming they'll make a government to government decision that says, okay, we're prepared to do this for you at at whatever financial considerations that the government to government puts in place, and then we would move based on that some sort of you know design process. So all we have to date, and, and we had this with Taiwan, is we had a conceptual, um, you know, conceptual design briefs. We did not have design, um, and now we have to, regardless of which partner we have, we have to now go to obviously a design phase. But that's based on making sure that whoever is funding this is is cognizant of what the overall cost will be of these facilities. And um, uh, everything's still on track, though it seems. Yeah, I mean, you know, the worry is always that the t- the clock keeps ticking. I mean, you know, our event starts on July 14, 2023. That's a, a, a date that doesn't get moved. So, you know, we had progressed down the, the path with Taiwan. We, we we got to the point where we actually had, you know, face-to-face meetings with the contractor uh, where we started, you know, looking at detailed things. So, of course, you know, that, that's changed, and now we got to restart the thing. We believe, based on the information we have, that if we start the construction in July of this coming year, so July 2020, that the facilities will be done when we want them. And when we want them all done, uh, across the board, is in December 2022, sort of six months before the Games. And the proposal we've now put to China says we would like, if possible, to stage the completion of a few projects. Because one of the things that we're lacking here in, in Solomon Islands is some of the training facilities needed um, to train our own athletes. Um, so we're, we're looking to try to get, for instance, a pool, which we do not have a pool in place, and we need one for the games. We're seeing if we can have that pool complex and a couple other things, a tennis complex built prior to that, sort of say six months prior to that, so sort of July 2022, so that we have one year of practice with our athletes and, and also operationalize the venues prior to the games time. You know, Makes both sense. Both and Vanuatu, you know, I got the facilities I was running the games. We got the facilities very, very late, and that's obviously a challenge from the games operating point of view. We, we, we want to see if we can uh, avoid those issues this time around. That's a senior advisor for the 2023 Pacific Games, Clint Flood, speaking with Karoy Hawkins. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. You can listen to this and other programs on our website, rnzi.com. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is 
absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah. And under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. <laughs> 